Hello listeners, episode 250 of Retro Encounter is on the horizon, and we are doing a mailbag episode. Please send emails to the address retro at rpgfan.com, and on episode 250 we will read aloud and respond to as many emails as we can. The questions can be whatever you like, but we especially want recommendations for games to play on the podcast, because we will be choosing one game suggestion from episode 250 for a Retro Encounter episode later this year. Now here is the latest episode of Retro Encounter. Hello and welcome to episode 241 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm joined here by three people who just want to grow up to be a gangster. Starting with Rob Steinman. Kill you, John! <laughs> and John O'Logan. Always a pleasure. And Joe Padilla. Howdy. So, f- folks, um... We are going to have two episodes in a row on Yakuza 0, and I want to tell you right now, uh, when I get home every day from work, all I want to do is start playing Yakuza 0 again. I have um, uh, There's going to be an undercurrent of me really liking this game and being consistently surprised and impressed with it. But uh, before we go in, into a time where all of us were in their infancy, except for Joe, who was negative 12 years old, I think. Wait, how uh, old is Joe? Do I want to know? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. You know what, Joe? Don't say anything. I don't think any of us want to know. <laughs> oh, God. oh God! But uh, let it, let us talk about our personal backgrounds a little bit. Um, the game is Yakuza Zero. But let's talk about the Yakuza series. Chrono in Trigger general. is older than me. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Oh God! Oh God! Man, even Bridget was older than Chrono Trigger. I'm gonna go kill myself right now. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Don't don't commit harikiri or seppuku just yet. Uh, uh, let's talk about how each of us know the Yakuza series, our personal backgrounds, a little bit. Uh, starting with you, Rob. Why not? Hi. Uh, so I tried to play Yakuza One. I, I think on like a PlayStation Two demo disc uh, back in the day, and uh, I remember it was a big controversy because they decided to redub Yakuza One in the West using a bunch of famous actors. So, including uh, Eliza Dushku. Yeah, Michael Madsen, um, and of course Mark Hamill as Majima, which is an inspired choice, I have to say. Uh, but I just, I bounced really off it, I didn't enjoy the demo, uh, then Yakuza 2 came out, everybody raved about it, but I, I believe I was in college at the time, so I, I couldn't really afford to do much of anything and spend time on it, uh, avoided the series for a long time, kept hearing good things, and then Yakuza 0 came out, and I was like, alright, I need something to play on my PlayStation 4, let's give it a try, and, uh, since then I've been working my way through the, uh, Yakuza backlog, and the only ones I have left to play that have been released in the West are 4 and 5. So, um, Yakuza Zero was your first one uh, yes, that, that, you, that you got that you got deep into. Interesting. Uh, it's also my first. Um, like you, I was aware of Yakuza sort of when it came out. Um, I heard that the first one sort of wasn't great, but uh, with each one, the fan base seemed to be growing. I was at least aware of its popularity uh, in regular video game circles, so I was always at least a little interested in it because I do like uh, a number of open world action games. But I, I think the praise was really starting to lay on thick around the Yakuza 0, Yakuza 5 range, which I think yeah. are, are probably the two most uh, most popular ones. But, definitely, definitely. Um, so I, I was increasingly curious, but uh, and, I, and I bought Yakuza 0 on sale uh, about, about a year ago, maybe, and also own a copy of, of Kiwami 1 but declined to play any of them until uh, starting up Yakuza 0 for this podcast. But it's not exactly my first one. I played the Fist of the North Star game made by the Ryu Gagotoku story, uh, studio uh, late last year, and honestly, I wasn't impressed. It's, uh, it, it was a sort of a weird, condensed, bastardized version of the Hokuto no Ken story, which I, which I really like. Uh, but 
like the city was uncool. There was a big empty desert that you had to play in around uh, that I I didn't love, and some of the real strengths of Yakuza Zero are not represented in the Fist of the North Star game made by the same studio. But let's focus on a game that's actually good that we're actually supposed to talk about. Uh, uh, Jono, I know you've talked about the Yakuza series quite a bit in the past several months of Random Encounter, so let's uh, let's give us a an abridged Retro Encounter version of that. Yeah, I've started turning uh, Random into Yakuza Encounter. Um, uh, yeah, so a, a little over a year ago, I think, uh, Alana asked me, hey, uh, Yakuza Kiwami com- is coming out on PC. We don't have anyone who wants to review it. Do you want to review it? And I didn't. Um, <laughs> it just didn't seem like the... It just didn't seem like the kind of game I wanted to play. I've never really played a Yakuza game before. I was aware of its existence, but it just didn't really appeal to me. But I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I'm fairly new to the team. I'll take an assignment. And uh, just f***ing adored it. Um, I loved the characters. I loved the city. Uh, the ridiculous amount of mini games. Everything about it. I just really, really loved the game. So, uh, yeah, then I, then I almost immediately turned around and reviewed... Uh, Kiwami 2, which came out, and then I was like, okay, now I'll go back and play Zero. And from there, I just kept playing through them. I'm, I, I'm, unfortunately, I don't have any games left in the series, uh, except for the um, except for the Samurai spinoffs, which have never been released in uh, uh, the West. Not to interrupt, but did you do 3, 4, and 5 remastered, or did you go back and play them on PlayStation 3? No, I did the I did the three, four, five ah, remastered. Okay, okay. So I I finished three. So I'm I'm saving four and five until I've had a little yakuza break. Yeah. So like I have I have reviews now for every one of the games except for six and Judgment up, and I suspect those two will be going up at some point. Um. Yeah. But I I become in over just slightly over a year. I've become such a massive fan of the series that I played through all of them, and it feels like coming home whenever i go to camera show it feels like i'm kind of coming home to it but i'm a i'm a big fan of these games love them right on and uh joe your turn what's your background with ryakuza or ryugagatoku and uh how are you what are your early impressions of yakuza zero so far yeah so i played yakuza kawami earlier this year um i liked it quite a bit um it definitely uh, I, I definitely kind of felt a loss of steam at the end, but I was, um, but I overall liked it quite a bit. Um, so when I saw that we were going to be doing Yakuza Zero, I was like, "That's exactly what I wanted to play next." So I uh, decided to dive into this one, um, and much the same as everyone else, I really like the characters in the series, um, and I really like just kind of the philosophy of. The games which we'll kind of go more into yeah you wrote an exceptional piece about that a few months ago that should be on the site well, thank you <laughs> well okay so we're a mixture of yakuza series veterans and newcomers but uh most of us really got into it within the last couple of years and that makes sense to a degree because i think that yakuza has been as accessible and as uh, available as it ever has been. I mean, we have remakes of the PS2 do uh, first couple of games, um, especially. And I've heard that Ki- like Yakuza 2 original is kind of rough, but Kiwami 2 is uh, is much improved. It's a very and, good game. Yeah, and uh, and th- we have three, four, and five in that recent collection in the uh, in the original Japanese, and that's been pretty well received. And I think se- now that um, the old Atlas localization team is within Sega, Sega Atlas is. Like, Sega is willing to throw localization effort at the series that they maybe weren't able to in the past. I'm not saying that we're going to get, uh, we're going to get versions of the two samurai games that came out. I don't, one of them is about Miyamoto Musashi, and the other one's about, uh, that famous Japanese Navy commander, uh, around the time that uh, Japan started to open up. I forget the dude's name. Um, but I, I, there's a couple influences here that I think are very clear. The very first one is definitely Yakuza films of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah. there's uh, there's something like 10 movies in the Battles Without Honor and Humanity series that became very famous in the 70s. They're sometimes called the Japanese Godfather films. But the only Yakuza movie that I've really seen are I don't know if Ichi the Killer counts, but uh, Sonatine is a really really dope Japanese crime film from I think late 80s or early 90s. And that's uh, and and I see elements of that movie in this game a lot when I uh, as I play through Yakuza Zero, and and, and also um, the other I think main influence is Shenmue, or uh, yeah, 
because the, the, <laughs> the, the creator of Yak, the creator of Yakuza, Toshihiro Nagoshi, has been a Sega guy for thirty years, and he was and his mentor was the Sega arcade legend Yu Suzuki, and uh, Suzuki made a bunch of Sega arcade classic games, and then eventually went on to make Shenmue uh, for the Dreamcast, and uh, and and and, and Nagoshi, who's uh, again Yu Suzuki's one of his proteges. Uh, was originally the uh, the lead director and designer of Daytona USA, which blew my mind a little bit when I when I discovered that, and then uh, worked on several Sega projects over the years, and um, became the lead producer and head honcho for Yakuza with the very first game. And Rob, I think you mentioned before we recorded that Yakuza is good Shenmue. Yeah, that that's man. I I have a very vivid memory of my buddies. Dreamcast and us trying to play Shenmue back in the day and it was just like, you know, uh, perhaps they're out, you know, I need to find some sailors like it was just a really cool idea for a game but it wasn't exactly fun, especially to a bunch of like teenage boys who were like really into Resident Evil and Metal Gear Solid at the time uh, I think Yakuza by kind of ramping up the the almost campy factor and the conflicts and you know letting you throw down with random people in the streets it it's basically taking the the idea of Shenmue of occupying this space and having a very close-knit set of RPG mechanics in a small space and making it a video game and making it fun instead of a tech demo and that's just how I, that's how I've always viewed the Yakuza games also, Yakuza is just cool. Yes, like, it as is. Compared to Shen- <laughs> yeah, it just compared to Shenmue, it just, you know, that's like living in a small town and going to Yakuza is like going to the big city. Yeah, and again, I see that Yakuza movie influence a lot. Like the extreme uh, sense of, of honor that, uh, that like is definitely true to a degree to real life Yakuza, but has been inflated and in a way through film and fiction that that is, you know... C- reaches ridiculous uh, points with uh, Yakuza 0. And I-, I think that Sega welcomes comparisons to Shenmue, but resists comparisons to Grand Theft Auto when talking yes. about Yakuza. Because, I mean, J- Japan- good reason. Yeah, Japanese Grand Theft Auto is a term I heard when the, uh, the early Yakuza games were coming out. I think that's one of the things that kind of hurt the series when it first came out in America. If you tell, again, a bunch of teenage boys our age at the time, we're not going to talk to the babies on the podcast right now, Solosi, but like, it, like if you told us, oh, this is Japanese G- GTA, then we're like, oh, cool, like I'm going to get into cars and like drive around and get into trouble, and it's really not that kind of game. It's a very narrative-driven game. It's, it's again, about a very small environment, and so I think that that kind of description from the gaming media at the time all it did was hurt the Yakuza games and keep them from standing out for what they do so well. I, I think that comparison is, to a degree, apt, but also very misleading. Yakuza is an open-world action game in an urban setting that is influenced by crime film a lot. Because, I mean, like, GTA Vice City is basically Scarface, and GTA San Andreas is basically Boys in the Hood. But, like... <laughs> In a Grand Theft Auto game, it's celebrated or almost encouraged to murder people in the streets and, or steal things and run away. While in Yakuza, like in the very fr- in the first hour of the game, Kiryu is offended when someone suggests he might own a gun. And this is also like kind of drawing on uh, Nagoshi's um, personal philosophy. Like he doesn't, um, as opposed to Grand Theft Auto, he's like, well, why would I have? Why would I allow for senseless violence that doesn't? that doesn't make sense for who Kiryu is. It doesn't really make sense within this world and how the Yakuza operate. I mean, this is the guy who also created Super Monkey Ball. So, I yeah. mean, he, he, he has a sense of playfulness and such, but he doesn't have um, a sense of uh, cruelty, I don't think, in terms of him wanting to allow the player to express cruelty. I hear everybody on that, but at the same time, like let's let's not deny the fact that Kiryu definitely like rips the knife away from somebody and stabs him in the midsection mm-hmm. and then knees it into their abdomen. And it's it's sort of the Batman argument of like, don't worry, yeah. it's okay. Bruce doesn't kill anybody, but there's just a mangled series of henchmen who are going to be in traction for the next four years. Wait, so- wait, wait. Wait, you're telling me Bruce Wayne is Batman? Oh my god. I- I'm sorry, spoilers. Wow. How- uh, uh, there are going to be spoilers. Wow. How, in the- how, how, how? And, and- how did I, I not see it? 
And I'm not doing that. I'm not bringing that up to be argumentative. I just think that it's it's one of the weirder dichotomies with Yakuza. Like Kiryu never really starts a fight. I think that that's more the important thing is that he's a man of honor. He doesn't have the desire to start anything, with the exception of a few times in the series where it, it's time for him to throw down and step up. But he usually is the result of violence, and so someone's getting their comeuppance for challenging the dragon of Dojima. But, like, he definitely puts a lot of people in the hospital. That's actually referenced in, I, I think it's three. This isn't a spoiler where, like, one of the villains says to Kiryu, you, you don't kill, you're famous for not killing. And Kiryu's like, who told you that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but I think that the important thing with Kiryu is that there is a sense of honor with him. It, it is a very... He's kind of this weird portrayal of masculinity uh, where yeah. he's it, he's almost passive in a way, and he's very much a father figure. He, As the series goes on, he becomes more and more devoted to children, his, his surrogate children. And that's kind of the view of masculinity, which is that he's not going to start a fight, but he's going to finish it. And I, I think that that plays into a lot of the ideas of, I keep using the word masculinity, but here's where we are. All the ideas of masculinity in the Yakuza games is that the, the true heroes do not go looking for a fight, but they are there for their friends and their family, and they're going to solve it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I mean, um, Kiryu definitely pro projects a certain, uh, a certain platonic ideal of masculinity, but that's sort of a combination of the Yakuza code encouraging things like respect and stoicism uh while also kiryu being a just a very uh, uh i mean i i said this before a sort of a pure-hearted person who wants to be a yakuza because uh because his idol that raised him in an orphanage was a yakuza but doesn't want to commit evil it, it's it, it's a, it's a, again it's a weird dichotomy I and mean, we were talking about the dichotomy of of hyperviolence in video games with not actually killing someone that's a dichotomy we're all probably oddly comfortable with but there's there's a, a, a little bit of character dissonance with multiple characters in yakuza but in a way that somehow fits <laughs> because this is this is a a cruel violent world with an unusually principled person in kiryu being it's uh, the main character of these games yeah i feel like kiryu is doing the best he can in the circumstances that he was born into and became part of um it's interesting that you say he's pure-hearted because one of the reasons I guess this comes from playing the future games in the series first. Uh, and I, I'm curious if Joe feels the same way about this. Um, I agree with you about him being a pure-hearted person, but he's not quite yet the, um, I guess, the paladin that he becomes in future games. Like, he's not the Dragon of Dojima yet. He's getting there. And for me, in Zero, he still feels quite a bit like a stupid kid. Yeah, he's uh, Because only, he is a stupid kid. He's, he's only 20, and he's basically... Almost like like, Im like like a puppy imitating an adult dog. Though in what in what he's uh, in like uh, in how he wants to um, emulate his uh, what what Kazama does and uh, and be a you know a cool successful yakuza. But he, I don't I don't think he's he's um, he's manipulated or I should say I don't think he's motivated by vice or material well or e material wealth or even or even fame in the way that uh, um, side characters in this game are. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting that the very first thing you see in this game, and I think it was a super effective uh, opening, is you see Kiryu beating the shit out of a, uh, a salaryman to get his debt. Mm -hmm. And like in later games, that the idea that Kiryu would even remotely do something like that is shocking. Like It would never happen. But the fact that this game opened with it makes you realize that this is not the person we know yet. This is not the this is not the Dragon of Dojima yet, and this is the story of how he gets there. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the most effective things, and having played this first, and then playing the later titles, I went immediately from Yakuza 0 to Yakuza 6, and so there's this huge jump of, as you're saying, Kiryu becomes... 20 years? Yeah, <laughs> Kiryu becoming the Dragon of Dojima, and then in Yakuza 6, like, he, he's almost you know a paladin like you said like he is he is this paragon of virtue at this point he has been up and down he's been almost killed multiple times and he's just looking out for the people that he cares about and he will defend them with a level of honor i, I think that the writing in the yakuza series is very interesting because the first two games are you know pretty boilerplate and i would kind of put yakuza 3 in there too like there's good characters but 
there's there isn't a whole lot under the surface going on, but then when you start getting to, to like Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Six, there's a lot going on, and especially the characters that you run into Yakuza Zero, knowing what they're going to eventually become, especially Nishiki, like it, it it's a mm. it's a fascinating game. It's a great starting point for people getting exposed to the series for the first time but for those that have had an experience with it going back and playing zero it's like oh man they're they're setting everything up in a really cool way and we're definitely talking a lot about kiryu um and we are kind of forgetting the other character in this game who uh is uh, goro majima <laughs> and and boy howdy like if if you had seen Majima in other games, his introduction here is so wildly different from the character that he is later in the Yakuza games. Like he mm-hmm. is a a kind of an X factor, a charisma uh, like a charismatic nut job that obviously always has a plan going on in the background. And our exposure to him here is calming down a drunkard and not punching him in the face. And how cool is that? <laughs> True. But thematically speaking, his entrance in this game is not entirely dissimilar from his entrance in Kiwame 2 uh, or or even Kiwame 1. I mean, Majima is a showman. Sure. He, is, he is the person, like, the second he steps on the stage, he takes center stage. No one else is looking. It's, it's right at him. Like, I laughed my ass off when the first thing I saw was him standing in front of a big band with all the lights on him in front of a stage. It, it was good. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brilliant It's a brilliant reveal to who Majima is. Um, and... In a lot of games, that's kind of his style, where he shows up and it's his show while he's on screen. And it's interesting because um, I'm not sure where I read this or who or who told me or where I saw this, but every it seems that every time Majima uh, appears first appears in the game, they start with his shoes. They always have a shot of his uh, of his feet that kind of works your way up, and it kind of makes this sort of um, in yeah, this sort of intimidating presence of, oh, you see these nice shoes and then you see a very, you know, lanky man and then you come up to this man with a ponytail and an eye patch and it's, and it kind of creates this, um, this presence for him that as soon as he drops in, yeah, you are dealing with this sort of X factor. I think it's now, again, I know of Majima mostly through memes and jokes. Like my my understanding in later games is that he is a hitman who uh, at first, you know, um, is uh, is trying to kill Kiryu, and then uh, later his attempts to kill Kiryu almost feel like love letters more so than actual uh, hit attempts. <laughs> I, I again, this is uh, me not really working that information, but he's a fan favorite, recurring villain who is definitely wild and violent, but also quietly brilliant. Because I think it it's, it's maybe feels out of character for him to be running a nightclub in Yakuza 0. But uh, in Chapter 3, because again, this game basically switches between Kiryu chapters and Majima chapters, uh, like 1, 2 are Kiryu, 3, 4 are Majima, and so on. In Chapter 3, Majima's running a, a nightclub and is, and is excellent at it. Like, he perfectly... Uh, diffuses the situation, gets people to pay more money, and is just awesome at running this nightclub, and has the respect of all everyone working there. But then soon later, you learn that he's been basically forced to run this nightclub until he can pay off a large debt, and that debt is the result of him uh, refusing orders when he was a when he was a yakuza thug uh, for a different branch of the Dojima clan, and uh, as a result, he like he was going to be part of an assassination attempt. They told him to call to call it off. He refused to call it off because his partner was still was still Sajima. was still yet yeah, was yeah. still waiting for the uh, d- to do the hit. And as a result, Majima was uh, thrown into a pr- a yakuza prison hole and tortured for years. While his associate his associate killed eighteen people and was sent to prison and probably blames Majima for his uh, uh, for 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 being absent, and that you know that that the whole that's the whole thing. Maybe it's resolved in this game. Maybe it's resolved in a future game. I don't I don't know. Uh, Yakuza Four, actually. Okay, well, yeah, that, I'm getting that, there. That's that's a lot of foreshadowing. <laughs> um, but well, I, I I thought maybe that guy came back in Chapter Ten or something. But uh, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No, I didn't mean no, to... no, no, no. This is uh, that, that's fine. That just goes into the level of you know uh, of 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 sowing seeds that uh, that that the Yakuza writing team is is doing. It's it's cool that they're tying into so many future games um what i kind of want to 
hit on here, and and we talked about it by talking talking about the two main protagonists in this game, and I, I having read reviews of Yakuza Four and Yakuza Five, I actually really struggled with having two main characters in this game. Because the bouncing back and forth, you you get two chapters with Kiryu at the start, and then two chapters with Majima, and we kind of go back and forth with that the whole way through. I never felt like, gameplay-wise, I got a firm grasp of each character to where I came to feel like I was competent with either of them. It was only by about the end of the game that I started feeling very good with Kiryu as a character, and I, I felt like I could hold my own in combat, and I knew when to switch fighting styles. I never, I know this is this goes against a lot of people's thinking. I never enjoyed controlling Majima. I, I just don't like his fighting styles. I find his his base fighting style to not hit hard enough. I find his baseball bat style to be very unwieldy and not a whole lot of fun unless you just stun lock the enemies to death. But at that point in the game, I just wanted it to be over. So yeah, okay. And I really didn't like his. Uh, his like beatbox what what's the character from break Tekken? break it da- break dancing yeah his hey, break dancing but, but you're, you're, th- you're thinking of eddie gordo eddie mm-hmm. gordo style mm-hmm. i just i never felt comfortable with majima as a character so i think on the one hand it's really cool to have these two protagonists and to oscillate back and forth between the two of them and seeing the narrative from each of their sides but on the other hand i never felt like i had fully mastered them as characters if that makes sense yeah I think I think that it's easier to learn Kiryu's style than Majima's, and I basically agree that Majima's more difficult to deal with. But I I just I I really liked Majima's uh, triangle counter finisher and his base style. I I use that a lot. Uh, oh, the the snap neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, oh yeah, Majima definitely doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, <laughs> Majima never kills anyone. But, again, there's a again go on YouTube. There's quite a few supercuts of Majima killing nobody. But, but going going back to Majima's introduction, it's um. He, like Kiryu, he wants nothing more than to be a Yakuza, but it's it, they show that in different ways. Uh, Majima's more more violent and, and a little bit more crazy in his personality than Kiryu, even though this is maybe the most subdued version of Majima in the whole series. And I thought it was a real moment in chapter th- near the end of chapter three, I think, uh, after seeing him be this excellent club manager. Uh, and then they make it clear that he's trying to pay off a debt and and is uh, is only trying to get back into being a, a Yakuza. And then he goes back to his apartment, and his apartment sucks. His apartment is, like, in a bad part of town. You have to go down to a river and then, and then up a, a dirty alley to get to the apartment. There's nothing in there, even though he wears a tux in this shiny, clean, incredible club. And when he looks out at the window, he realizes that, like, one vagrant pushing a cart and one person finish, uh, fishing near the river... Are both watching him. He's he's he for the past I think year they say he's been a club promoter, being watched by Yakuza people to make sure he doesn't step out of line. And every cent he makes is is going to paying off this amount so he can go back to being a Yakuza again. Like like I think the Dojima clan or maybe it's the Omi, Omi Alliance. I'm not exactly I'm not clear over all between all the different Yakuza groups right now. I, I think they would rather this crazy violent person who's a little unpredictable, be a great money-making club owner forever. <laughs> but, uh, but because Majima so desperately wants to be a Yakuza again, he is this unpredictable wild card that is not going to be a club owner-manager in, in future Yakuza games. So it's, it, it's like, like both, both Kiryu and Majima want nothing more than to be Yakuza, but other than that, their characters are so different, and which makes me very interested. But um, back to martial arts a little bit. In this game, Kiryu and Majima both have uh, three martial arts styles, with I think maybe a fourth one that the down button gets later, but it's probably, yeah. an, probably an endgame thing. And Kiryu's are a little bit more straightforward. He has like one... One basic that has uh, grab finishers, one's fast that has a lot of dodges. And no, no, one... no. Let me, let, me, let me condense this down for you. They have the typical fighting uh, normal enemies. They have the you better be in this mode for boss battles. And then they have beast <laughs> mode, which is useless. Beast mode <laughs> is amazing against crowds. And if there are three or four props near a boss fight, and uh, then it is useful. Uh, but it, uh, it, it, needs, it, needs pro- it needs props to be, to be useful. It's, so uh, one of my biggest problem with the beast style is Kiryu just picking up random crap in the middle of... So, oh boy. 
Okay, I, 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 you have, I'm you have not to be, gonna... You have to be careful which way you're pointing, because because the, regu yeah. the regular punch can pick up a prop if it's in front of him, and the regular grab will pick up a prop if it's to the front or side of him. I, I play a lot of fighting games, which is why I was so quick with the Eddie Gordo reference, but I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, like, this is something I'm very comfortable with doing, and even I would get tripped up by it a lot. The, the worst is when, if you're, if you have someone cornered with Majima, when you're using the baseball bat style, uh, if you accidentally hit a wall or an or an obstable, um, yeah, it, it, it'll it'll you'll stun yourself, which is not something I enjoyed. Yeah, uh, and and you know it it is a PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four game, so you know it, it's a cross generation title, and they've they've made a lot of advancements. A lot of fans were pretty upset with Yakuza Six, and they felt like it was much more uh, constricted in terms of the number of move sets and only having a single style and just controlling Kiryu. Um, but I think that's one of the areas where I was struggling is like, as you upgrade abilities for both characters, you have to remember, okay, this ability works in this style and this one works over here. This one works if the sun is directly overhead. This one works if the temperature outside is 68 degrees. Like, I, I think that, I think the Yakuza games have really, really struggled when it comes to adding complexity instead of adding engagement in the combat system and this is one of the reasons why i am so excited for yakuza 7 because they're just throwing everything out <laughs> and they're making a turn-based combat rpg that is heavily influenced by dragon quest yeah, yakuza, so... <laughs> yakuza 7 like a dragon quest uh, I, I, I i saw that headline so many times in the in the, <laughs> in the first week of that announcement that like I, I didn't quite realize how on the nose it was because I, I didn't know a ton about Yakuza in in uh, mid twenty nineteen, but it yeah it fits. And and I I think that the brawling in the Yakuza games can be really fun. Like don't get me wrong, I I think it is satisfying as hell to land a punch. I love the whole you know you're always supposed to end every combo with a triangle as like a, a nice knockdown move. I love the heat actions. But I do think that the games are, are cumbersome for the sake of cumbersome, and they give the characters so many different things that they can do in so many situations. Like, th there's nothing less fun in a Yakuza game than having the, the heat action reversal, and you just don't get the prompt to do it. So you're, like, sitting there waiting for this guy to, like, kick you, and you're like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end them. Like, my heat gauge is all built up, and you just don't get the prompt. And you're just like, well, uh, that gets a little frustrating. See, I think that's actually, I don't know if I would call it a strength or not, but I feel like Yakuza is the video game equivalent of the kitchen sink. Um, not, 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 True. Not just, not just in terms of mini games, or although it certainly is, but also in terms of the combat. Like, the fact is they've shoved four completely different combat styles uh, for both characters in this game. So that's eight different combat styles. And you're right, there are, you have to remember, I have to press triangle here, I have to, I have to do this, and it... it you're right, it can be difficult to really get into it, but that's Yakuza. Like, the reality is, Yakuza's always going to give you far, far, far more than you're ever going to be able to accomplish unless you want to platinum it. And if you're going to platinum it, you're going to have to play it for around 300 hours. Yeah, I think that it's it's also telling of my, uh, like, my own personal, uh, what I look for personally in games. So, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this at the end of May and Doom Eternal came out a couple months ago. And the way I described that to people was this is too much Doom. Like they, they've added too many systems and too much complexity. Does it make it a bad game? No, I still had a very good time with it. But like, I, I think in some ways that kitchen sink approach can start to take away. Like in every Yakuza game, you have the ability to unlock a heat action where you throw people down a flight of stairs. I have never Ooh. once in like 200 hours of playing Yakuza even gotten that prompt because really? there's like three sets of stairs in these games. I gotta, I gotta fight some people outside Majima's apartment maybe. Like, is that, it, I, but, I haven't it, seen that either. And, and so I, th I think that that kitchen sink approach is something that is very appreciated with these games, and I can certainly get behind it. But I do think that as video games, as satisfying, like, oh, man, I beat this boss and I feel good. I don't come to the Yakuza games for that. I, I think that if, if I came to the Yakuza games for that, I would actually have walked away by by this point. Because I think we can all agree that we come to the Yakuza games for pocket racing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mm, yes. I don't know. Uh, That's why I'm here. <laughs> I am here to dance because it's Friday night. That's part of why I like the switching back and forth every couple of chapters because a lot of, for me, getting through these games is kind of 
uh, an activity in not like fully enjoying the battle system or the combat, but just trying to not get fatigued with it. Yeah. No, I think so, that's very fair. That's and, and, very fair. And so it's like, oh, I've been through two chapters as Kiryu. Um, I'm tired of controlling Kiryu. And then I get to Majima. I'm like, okay, sweet. Breakdance. Everybody needs some Majima in their life. I I think that like there there's some really nice you know side stories and side quests. And learning more about the colorful characters in Kamurocho is interesting. But there's a lot of times where... There are these side quests, and you know exactly what the the structure of it is going to be, and what the resolution is going to be. And there's going to be a part where you think, you know, you think one thing about the person, but then they're like, you know what, I'm going to change myself. And then, and then there's you know some corny Bruce Hornsby ass piano that comes in, and it's like I am making a positive change in my life. And Kiryu's like, that's great. I am glad that I helped you on that. And then it just moves on, and it just is smack dab in the middle of some pacing and it can just get a little cumbersome and and and, uh, and break things up essentially i uh, all right uh, first of all i want to mention there's a lot of sub stories in this game and sometimes a sub story is as easy as completing a mini game three times and talking to someone and sometimes it gets more, more complicated than that but I, there's four or five points i want to make in a row uh, so I apologize if this turns into a monologue. Um, first of all, you know what I, th- I think? One, there's one very easy comparison I can make between Yakuza Zero and the, of, of course, it's the exact television show on everyone's mind right now, Sex in the City, because like Sex in the City, uh, the city itself is a main character. Um, like Kamurocho and Sotenbori. Uh, the Kiryu chapters are in Kamurocho and the uh, Majima chapters are in so- Sotenbori, although that that might change in later chapters, because again, I'm in chapter 7, uh, are really living, breathing spaces that have so much variety. And uh, basic gameplay loops, like, I don't know, um, I'm on the way to a destination, I get stopped by a bunch of uh, thugs in black suits, I beat them up, my health is a little bit low, I stop at a beef bowl joint and eat a beef bowl, uh, and then and then I go on to my destination. The, the fact that both of these cities have a combined probably 30 restaurants, and they even made the design choice to render the interior of all of the restaurants, <laughs> and to give and and the and the, the the different foods in the restaurants rarely have a difference. They'll either make you drunk or heal you or give you a, a heat bonus, but, uh, but there's still between I don't know three and 15 menu items at each restaurant and you get and you get little you get little completion bonuses for eating uh, an entire an entire menu uh but like, like these aren't aren't things they needed to make but it was a detail that was somehow important to these people so they include it and it's it, it's so silly but it makes um Kamurocho and Sotenbori feel more like real big lived-in places and, and I love everything about that Joe I I have a question for you that is uh, very specific to you because you and I were on a set of podcasts last month in which we played Mother 3 and uh, talked about mm-hmm. a lot and, and both of us enjoyed very uh, enjoyed Mother 3 very much. Um, I, I, this is one of the most unbelievable swings in tone I've had from going from one game to the next because uh, this is not really a, spo- a spoiler for I guess maybe the first few hours of Mother 3. Mother 3 is a game where it starts out being a it starts out being about a small community that is sort of destroyed by fascists with the introduction of of uh, of capitalism and greed to the small uh, to the small village and yakuza 0 is a game about about a couple of renegade business thugs just making money explode out of uh out of villains like they're like sonic the hedgehog stepped on spikes and rings went everywhere <laughs> There's no experience points in this game. You upgrade your martial arts stuff with money. Um, every side quest will give you a, a reward, um, th- but a lot of the time it's something you trade in for money. The, uh, the, uh, the, si- the two largest side quests in the game, which I do want to talk about, um, uh, the, uh, the real estate side quest and the cabaret club side quest, are completely about giving you money, like recurring money loops that let you upgrade uh, Kiryu and Majima better. It's There is... So everything is made of money in Yakuza 0, and I think that goes back to the setting. We've danced around this a little bit. This game takes place in 1988. 
It is simultaneously one of the least retro games in Retro Encounter because it's made in 2017, and one of the most retro games in Retro Encounter because it's in 1988 Tokyo and Osaka. Um, and that time was a huge economic boom in Japan. That's when their things like electronics exports uh, were were really starting to to um, to accelerate. So the game is about money and real estate and and crime and sort of the intersection the intersection of all these things which is such a swing away from mother 3 but i, I but i have to admit like um kiryu's big side quest is called real estate royale and you unlock it in chapter 5 where basically uh uh kiryu meets a um meets a, a successful real estate agent uh, who tells him that he that if uh, uh, if Kiryu leaves the Yakuza and helps him, he can get Kazama out of jail and solve his, uh, the murder that Kiryu is being accused of. So uh, Kiryu leaves the Yakuza and becomes a real estate agent. You, I think you're for. I think the, the story makes you unlock the side quest, but you don't have to engage in it. But I sure f- did. Um, this uh, the, the, uh, basically you go around uh, buying properties and developing them and collecting rent on them. And uh, I spent about 12 hours the past week uh, completing about 90% of that side quest. I, it, it, it was in Chapter 6 for me. Uh, I, uh, I, have, um, I own completely four out of the five districts, and I'm working on the fifth one. <laughs> so, so funny story on this. You actually did the exact opposite of what I did. So, <laughs> no, because I was very invested in the story, and I, I didn't think that I needed to participate in this side quest and i was kind of like ah you know it's not really my cup of tea i'm gonna go do some other stuff and i'm gonna you know play around and eventually you just hit especially with kiryu you hit a brick wall where you simply will not be able to afford your character upgrades unless you start participating in this minigame like also, it, though they won't be unlocked either right and so i i was like well i'm not really upgrading any abilities anymore like i'm punching the crap out of a lot of random street thugs and i'm getting money but it's like not even close to enough so something must be going wrong here and a little quick faq search online it's like we have you need to start participating in the minigame and that's not to say that the minigame isn't fun i very much enjoyed it when i did start participating in it but i i found it fascinating that a series that is really well known for take these mini games or leave them like Yakuza 3 has an entire golf mini game which is very poorly explained by the way the first time you try to play it Th- that was inscrutable when i was trying to read that i was like do i need an advanced physics degree in order to phys- figure this out oh wait i have one of those and i can't figure this out and it was like this series does not force you to participate in the mini games but yakuza 0 is like yeah but if you want to upgrade your characters you got to participate in these mini games so not that they're not fun but i found that very jarring at first well there is another way to earn money which is using mr shakedown basically as a bank yeah oh yeah he's a lot of fun to fight get him one time and that's it <laughs> yeah but my point is that because of the way that the mechanic for mr shake there, okay for those listeners who are there there's a character named mr shakedown uh two of them actually one in each city and uh if you run into them, you fight them, and they usually just beat the living crap out of you, and they'll take every single cent you have. Um, then, if you run into them again, and you beat them, you get all of your money back plus interest. Um, and if you start, like, making the big bucks, you can start getting, well, literally compound interest uh, through Mr. Shakedown, and that's actually how I started earning most of my uh, most of my upgrades, was by, you know, fighting him repeatedly over and over and over again. But the real question is, are the two Mr. Shakedowns in Kamurocho and Sotambori, are they uh, twins? Or is this a thing like a convergent evolution sort of thing? I think it's convergent evolution, like the walking erections. <laughs> I have no idea what we'll need to we're explain, talking about right now. <laughs> we'll need to explain, we'll need to explain uh, walking erections for people who, uh, yeah, Mr. who Libido. don't know what, yep. yeah, who don't know what that is, or else people are going to be like, what? Uh, are they talking about at all? <laughs> I, you know, I, I like 98% of the writing in minigames in this game. Uh, and then you get stuff like Mr. Libido, the uh, two horniest men I've ever encountered in fiction. Uh, and then and stuff like the uh, the Japan Cat Fight Club minigame, which is, which, is like, which is like the worst match of Dead or Alive 5 you've ever played, except it's also rock, paper, scissors. I, I, I had to play that once. 
because of my obsession with real estate because uh, because one of the real estate landlords you're trying to take down uh like challenges you to uh to, to betting on the on the cat fight club so I, I was fortunate in that because that that's basically a game of luck because it's it's rock paper scissors and i was fortunate to win that round and never have to play it again because it's, it's like sometimes the writing is clever and fun a lot of the times it's naughty but also fun like the like the uh the dominatrix that lacks confidence um and, but sometimes it's like it's it's a little gross. Like uh, like I mean I I don't find Mr. Libido that funny. I thought that the uh, the date I think the dating the phone dating club thing. I am so of two minds about it. It's a mini game where you have to where you're, t- where you're flirting with girls on the fl- on the phone and have to shoot responses and and, and if you get the, say the right response then you go on a date with the girl. And it's weird if you think of it as of it as three parts like going to the club doing the mini game and dating the girl i think parts 1 and 3 are sort of great like these phone dating joints are weird but they're basically a predecessor to like a dating app or an online chat room uh and they're an, an artifact of 1980s japan so sure whatever and then when you uh in part 3 if you go on a successful date with the girl and i i i've done the mini game 3 times okay once was for real estate but uh, I did successfully date a girl, and now I can call her whenever I want to go bowling or or, or darts or dare, or karaoke, and I get a a partner for karaoke or bowling. And that that's kind of that's adorable. That's that's cute. But then the the middle part of that process, the game itself, you're shooting these responses while the camera is slowly and lasciviously going over a woman in a bikini whose face is obscured, and you see the woman more clearly the farther you get in the mini game. It's like. It's like the shooting mechanics are whatever, but the tone of this is is so male gaze that I don't like it, and I I do not object to sexy things in RPGs. I, I've I've men- mentioned that in podcasts many times, but I thought this was gross, and the cat fight club stuff was even worse. So like sometimes the writing and the sub story stuff in in Yakuza Zero is great and makes me want to play more sub story stuff. Like like that that Dominatrix side quest I mentioned, that was great. Yeah, I, like I uh, I'm going off to buy a property that I'm interested in. I run into this Dominatrix who lacks confidence, and her client is like, uh, I don't know about this. I'll I'll come for one more session, but uh, but you need to work on on your humiliation techniques. So you help the girl with her humiliation techniques and how to insult middle-aged men and then she meets the client again and the session goes great sub sub story checked off and i think oh, that was cute that was that was pretty good and then i go back to my real estate office and her client who's just called masochistic man joins my real estate agency as an advisor did you get the chicken yet the chicken one uh, yes <laughs> we should get into the chicken yes okay <laughs> I, um, I was trying to buy the bowling alley uh, for my real estate side quest because it was on the list of properties. But, so, but when I went to the bowling alley, you make friends with the bowling alley clerk girl, and she has a friendship meter, which some NPCs have for side quests. And, and, and I'm like, oh, this is just like the convenience store or the sushi restaurant. I need to I, – if I max out friendship with this girl, she'll say, hey, why don't you manage the bowling alley for your, re- for your real estate agency? So I'm like, okay, great. I'll talk to this bowling alley girl, and I and I get comfortable with the bowling mini game. I, I'm okay, not great at it. And then, th- and then the bowling alley girl says, "Hey, if you bowl a turkey, uh, then we'll give you a turkey." And I'm like, "Okay, that's hilarious. A turkey is three strikes in a row for the non-bowlers in the audience. Um, th- that makes sense. I'll, uh, I'll, I guess I'll work on this bowling mini game for a while." And I, I, I did this for a few hours where um, my loop my, my loop of playing the game was go to the bowling alley, try and bowl a turkey, fail, usually getting two strikes and then an eight or something, and then go back to the real estate office, collect on my rent, and go back to the bowling alley again to try for the turkey again. It's fun Shenmue. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and if, if I had a lot of money, I would maybe uh, go out of my way and buy another property or something. But I did that for hours, and I finally bowled a turkey. Um, I didn't even take my girl Riku out for bowling dates because that, that, that was just wasting more time with her bowling a seven or something. Uh, I, 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 so I bowl the turkey. The clerk girl says, here, here's your turkey. And uh, Kazuma says, uh, sorry, um, Kiryu says, okay, there's two problems with this turkey. A, I'm pretty sure this is a chicken. And B, this is a living, breathing chicken. Um, and, uh, and clerk girl's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want me to cook it for you? And Kiryu's like, silently gazes at the chicken. The chicken clucks back, back to Kiryu gazing at the chicken. Kiryu goes, no. 
This chicken's name is Nugget. I shall keep it as a pet. And I and <laughs> and, and, and and I'm like, well, okay, this is kind of in character for Kiryu, but also hilarious, sure. And then I leave the bowling alley, and then it says Nugget the chicken has been added as an advisor to your real estate agency. <laughs> and That's he's good brilliant. too. He's he has average stats, and his salary is very low. So he's he's a good affordable advisor character. <laughs> he's a good chicken. He's a good chicken. I, I, th- I, I think what what that whole story illustrates is that the Yakuza games, when they play in absurdist humor, <laughs> it runs it runs very well with the ultra masculine story that these games are trying to to portray the series as a whole hasn't done really well with women and i i think it's to varying levels of not well um and 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 that's one of those things where i just hope it gets better in time but i think that that's also the nature of the narratives that they're trying to sell trying to tell you I, i i'm not using that as an excuse i just think that you know like you're bringing up with the cat fighting mini game yeah there's things like that that are like I, I'm down with the game being sexy, but it, it's getting to a point of like, this is eye rolling. I agree. Um, funny thing about the the uh, cat fights, uh, there's a lot of content in Zero that's recycled into Kiwame, and oh, they do God. recycle the uh, they do recycle the cat fights as well, except that they change them into bug fighting. So it's basically the exact same thing, except the women are dressed up as sexy bugs. Oh. Well, now I'm down. Like I, you know, before it was the cats. Now, now it's you're talking you know, about as long yeah. as they're bugs. You're talking about fighting yeah, but, bugs. I'm like, oh, this is basically common rider. And then you said sexy ladies dressed as bugs. I'm like, oh, never mind. I think that's actually the part of the parody because then they it gets really uncomfortable because this is a very popular pastime with the kids, mm, yeah. and you end up playing this like bug fighting game with like eight nine year olds. Yeah, yeah, little kids wrestling like catching beetles and wrestling them is a pastime in Japan, which is part of the inspiration for Pokemon. Yeah, Yakuza has a different interpretation of, of bug fights. But uh, again, like I think the writing in this game is mostly great. Uh, if you threw out every single mini game and all of and most of the Kamurocho and Sotenbori optional stuff, which I which I which I don't advocate. But if you were to do this, do that, it would be a really cool crime drama story. Like it, it's like like it, it's like an old school Yakuza movie. It has uh it, it has a lot of you know anime JRPG drama like drama in it with characters that alternate between being ridiculously honorable and ridiculously uh, dishonorable. It's it's fun on its own. But when you throw in these two cities and the insane wealth of things to do in them, uh, it, it becomes its own character that is really neither action game nor RPG nor minigame theme park, but really the, the uh, a Venn diagram with Yakuza right in the center of all that. And uh, we didn't even mention karaoke or disco, which uh, or I had to, I I uh, I had I had to challenge another one of those real estate magnates to a to a karaoke battle, and I, I um, the timing for this was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I've been playing the Persona dancing games off and on the past month or so, so playing this game and then going into karaoke, it's like, oh, I've been playing a harder rhythm game for the past three weeks. This is great. So I I don't think I've gotten below an eighty eight on any karaoke song. Uh, let me ask you, uh, it just everyone have, or I guess just Solosi, because I think that Joe has seen it. Have you gotten 24 Hour Cinderella yet? Um, I don't think I have. Is that, is it, you know, all the karaoke I've been doing is in Kamarocho, so is that a Sotenbori song? I think just for, just for fun, just, you know, an idea, you should probably go and you should, uh, do some karaoke with Majima. Okay, sure. I have, I, um, <laughs> I, I don't, you guys agree? Do you think that would be a fun I little thing you, for him to do? I yeah, think you may I, have fun I, with it. I think I think I, I, think I may I think I may do that uh, ten minutes after we're finished recording because I am intrigued <laughs> and I am in a Majima chapter right now. the The volume and quality of mini games is insane, and also the systems interact. Like I mentioned, a, a couple of the scenarios I went through when I was focused on the real estate uh, um, side quest, but encountered a lot of different sub stories and mini games. Like every all of these things will give you CP to your general completion, and you can get bonuses by exchanging CP. But the the mini games gave me real estate points. Um, in my real estate side quest, I had to uh, I, I had to encounter some sub stories and complete them, and all and all of them give me rewards. It, it's wild, and I'm and I've barely started the cabaret club side quest, which we'll talk about in more detail, I think, in the next episode. Itch kitchen sink. Be- because in a in a week when this, this the next episode comes out, I probably will have a dozen hours into that if uh, if past performance is an indication of future performance. So um, 
I'm enjoying this a lot. I, I am binging on it. I'm not going to spread this playthrough out for a year. I'm spreading it over probably three or four weeks, and I'm going to get a lot out of it. But I'm definitely not going to 100% this thing, because that would, in, in, again, entail learning Mahjong and Shogi, <laughs> uh, among many other reasons. I Yeah, yeah I've, it's funny, because I usually... I try to get as much completion as I possibly can. I think I, I don't think I've ever broken 59% after like 110 hours of play. But I think that that's one of the strengths of the game, in, in all seriousness. I think that that is the strength of the game in that this can be, for the most part, an experience where you just play for the story, or it can be something that is going to occupy 200 hours of your time. And I, I think that's a strength. Right now I'm right at 30 hours, and I think a realistic goal for me is beating this in 50 because the way I've been playing was I basically set specific goals and then I move on after I complete that goal and I unwisely made one of my goals buy up all the real estate in Camarocho and mm -hmm. um and, and but in doing that like walking between like I need I needed to occupy myself for seven minutes or something in between collections so I would do I would take that opportunity to play a mini game or do a sub story and that's how I've done a lot of the Kiryu side stuff in this game. So, like, I, there will be a time where I am sick of of sub stories, and we'll just mainline the main quest for uh, until I'm until I'm at the next chapter. But right now, I'm very comfortable just living in Kamarocho or Sotenbori, and uh, and, and sort of letting Yakuza Zero happen to me. Yeah, and I, I think it's also telling that despite my, you know, sometimes negative view of the series, it's still a series that I very much enjoy, and I would say only now, maybe at the end of Judgment, I started to get a little tired of this combat system, and I'm like, alright, can you guys switch it up? And then when they announced Yakuza 7 was turn-based, I was like, okay, I'm back in. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> I wanted to mention, you said you said existing in uh, Kamurocho and Sonobori, and that's actually one of my favorite things about the series and this game, which is uh, the locales, the cities. Um, I think they are, they're small. They're not like the size of GTA, but they are some of the best realized spaces I've ever played in a video game. They feel like living, breathing places um, that I love exploring. And although you haven't gotten this yet, Mike, um, one of the best things about the series is you keep returning to obviously Camarocho, but also Sonobori throughout the, throughout the, series and right. you mm -hmm. get to see these places grow and change and uh live up to the times like if you were to if you, michael if you were to go and play judgment right now and you were to visit camarocho in uh 2018 like it, it would blow your mind because you'd be able to get around but just the way the city has changed in those 30 years is jaw-dropping everything has changed the layout is similar but the one of the one of the beautiful things about this game series is that time passes and time is passing in real time like every you know every single series is a year after is a year after is a year after um and because of that i really whenever i come into this city it feels like coming home for me the 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 real estate conflict at the center of the whole story is that there's one last undeveloped lot in Camarocho whose uh whose owner is is gone missing and and uh, and if the yakuza or the real estate developer um, uh, Kiryu is working for gets that that person holds the key to redeveloping the entire sort of west southwest uh, um, quadrant of of Kamarocho. So there's no doubt in my mind if when I get to a future yakuza game, the part where the, the part of the city where the empty lot is is going to be unrecognizable. Because, yeah. yep. because I mean, I mean, I, I mean, 1988 to 2005 during a Japanese economic boom. Of course, they'll redevelop uh, part of the city, and that, and, and like using a redevelopment story arc. When I work in land development, which is also a weird coincidence, um, hmm. seeing that represented in the city and definitely reflected in future games is just a. Uh, I mean, grows like adds more credence to the idea that Camarocho is a living, breathing place. That's it's that's it that's its own character. The fact that Camarocho sort of is an actual breathing, living place is also something I love. Yeah, it's Kabukicho, which is an entertainment uh, and occasionally red light district in, in Tokyo. Yeah, if you ever want a really, if, if there's any fans out there of Yakuza who have never really uh, if didn't know this, go on to Google Maps and go on to Google Street View. 
and you can walk around this neighborhood and it's a little different. Like there are different sections in some places are in slightly different places, but you can find your way around. Like you can go around and you'll be able to identify certain landmarks and certain things very much like, I don't want to bring this up, but like GTA in Liberty City, for example, you'll be able to see certain landmarks that are slightly altered than mm-hmm. if you were to visit New York. It's the same thing in this game. I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but it's uh, I grew up in the Virginia suburbs outside of Washington, D.C. Maybe you've played a little indie obscure title called Fallout 3, mm-hmm. which takes place in Washington, D.C. and the suburbs around it. They eerily recreate things like the subway tunnels, the D.C. metro in, the, uh, in, in Fallout 3. And uh, the largest mall near me is one of the major hubs in Fallout 3. And they took the town I grew up in and made it into a cannibal camp. So, yeah, there, there is a bit of, of surrealism, but also entertainment and value gained out of seeing a real-world place that you know represented in a video game through a twisted video game lens. Although I think it's probably a little bit more faithful and less eating human flesh in, uh, in Yakuza 0 versus Fallout 3. Depends if you're playing Dead Souls or not. <laughs> right, there was a Yakuza zombie spinoff that, that, that people have mixed feelings about. Or a certain side quest in Kiwami 1. Indeed. <laughs> oh no. True, yeah. There is a non-zero chance that I play more Yakuza later this year. Because, I, again, I own Kiwami 1. I own Judgment because it, it was a Christmas gift um, several months ago. And I am very interested in picking up more games in this series. But I don't know how that'll happen or not because I have things like uh, like podcasts to play games for and podcasts to edit and uh, and video game backlog to play. But I'm having so much fun right now. There is a non-zero chance that Yakuza 0 is uh, only the first step in a, in a Yakuza journey for me. But I, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions or promises. I have much more Yakuza to play, uh, especially go back to go back and, uh, and uh, play that Cinderella um, song in, 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 uh, in, in karaoke. Because again, I've done a lot of karaoke already in this game, but it's been all Kiryu. So I need to get some Majima karaoke in my life. But there's still some housekeeping to be done before we can officially put a bow on the episode. Uh, next week, we are doing an episode all about Pokey Minch, of all people. The villain of Earthbound, who makes another appearance in Mother 3, is going to be our third RPG villains special episode. Oh, I'm sorry, not next week. In two weeks, because next week is more Yakuza 0, of course. Uh, and also in July, we're doing two episodes on Tactics Ogre, Let Us Cling Together. Um, the Super Famicom... Uh, strategy RPG by the uh, f- the future developers of Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story. Uh, th- that game got ported to the PS1 and then the PSP, and uh, I've never played it before, so I'm really interested in starting that up as soon as I can tear myself out of uh, out of Kamurocho. And also, I have to mention that this is episode 241, and if my math is right, that means there's nine more episodes until episode 250. 250 is going to be a mailbag episode, so we want your uh, listener emails, uh, suggestions for future retro, uh, retro encounter games, questions for the panelists, anything you want, please send us an email to retro at rpgfan.com. And as long as the email is appropriate and not, not you know, horribly racist or something, it will be read aloud on the, uh, on the episode. So please email retro at rpgfan.com, especially since we have a mailbag episode coming up. You can also listen to uh, three other fine podcasts on on RPG Fan, there's Random Encounter, of which you are a co-host, Jono. Yes, it's uh, it's a fairly new thing, and I'm having an amazing time working with Greg. I remember that show, Random Encounter. There's a real asshole that used to podcast on that show way back in the day. I can't, how I can't dare, remember that guy's how name. How dare you? <laughs> Derek Heemsbergen is a sweet, sweet man. <laughs> Derek, I love you with all my heart. That was a slam on me. Please please do not think I was doing that. Um, there's also Rhythm Encounter, which has had, uh, hasn't had a new episode in a while, but is still available online and a very interesting RPG music listen. And also Phoenix Edge, which is a weekly podcast uh, hosted by none of the four of us, but it is um, recorded every Monday and I believe posts uh, every Wednesday or Thursday. They mostly focus on current events. You can re- uh, review Retro Encounter and all of the other RPG fan podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podcast Addict, a bunch of different places. Um, we love feedback and uh, encourage it wherever or however you're listening to us. So, uh, Joe, Jono, and Rob, let's tell the listeners how they can reach us more directly. Uh, starting with you, Joe. 
you can uh, reach me on RPG fans social media, uh, and you can reach me personally on Instagram and uh, Discord and Twitter as at Eva Least. And Rob, go ahead. Can't reach me anywhere. I don't. I don't do the Twitter or anything. So, and uh, as a teacher who's been in the middle of online teaching for the past two years, uh, two years, two months feels like two years. Uh, I I barely want to be online at all. The past three months feel like three years. I totally understand. Good lord. Uh, but uh, Jono, how can listeners reach you? Uh, yeah, you guys can uh, find me at Jono Logan uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to me every two weeks on Random and. Uh, yeah, if you have any questions that you want to talk to me about, just send them off to that show and we might address them on the air. Right on. And listeners, you can find me the same places you've always been able to find me. I'm on Twitter most of the time at The Real Monsoon, other times at Evoker for Dogs. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am a salty jerk of a man who goes by Monsoon Mike. Thank you. Good night and good luck. Mm-hmm.